With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Pour one more beer for me. Exile needs quality. So savagely. Best beer in all the land. Brewed with a loving hand. From bottle, keg, or can. Exile Brewing. E-X-I-L-E. For me. E-X-I-L-E. Let's drink. Crack open a Ruthie today. Enjoy your exile. HN Podcast, Miller and Dace, week 12. Week 12 picks last week. Uh, boy, went, what was it, 4-11? You went 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, and 9. Uh, you only gained three points on me, though, in the confidence points. Right now, you're up 689 to 645 in the season. And as it relates to overall games, we add those up really quickly. You are now 84 and 81 in the season. I am 78 and 87. That is almost over, uh, out of reach for the regular season. Points still in range here these last two weeks. And, of course, we'll do a bowl extravaganza along with each and every one of you. Let's get to this week's games. Georgia is at home. They're a 22-point favorite against Kentucky likely smarting over last week's loss. I'm going to take Georgia to go ahead and cover this one and just pound Kentucky into the ground on the with the running game, which is what they do. I'll take Georgia and put seven on it. Yeah, I've got Georgia here too, but I'm only putting two points on it though because it's a big number. Um, I, I think this would normally be a spot for a sandwich game uh, coming off the you know the big rivalry game with Auburn. They have another big rivalry game with Georgia Tech, who went into Athens and beat them last year. So uh, this is a classic sandwich game. I think that's somewhat mitigated by the fact that the dogs got depanted last week, and this is the final home game of the season. So you know that they're going to be motivated to get off the Schneid. But that number, when you get on, you get off a prime number. I get a little worried, so I'm only going to put two on Georgia because I could see it being forty to seventeen. 41 to 20 something like that wait a second we're we're talking about prime numbers now <laughs> i mean prime i was number from a, i was I mean told there'd from, be no freaking math bro i meant prime number from a cop from a football perspective you know 7 oh, 14 21 28 i thought I, mean. I thought war had just totally dumped the rosetta stone on you and you were you accidentally let it slip that it's freaking prime numbers I shouldn't be betting on these games. <laughs> no, uh, no, I I didn't. Listen, I'm the guy that couldn't get into the University of Michigan because of how poor the math portion of my ACT test was. So, no, I am, I'm not the uh, – I'm the guy that lets people who know math give me data, and then in my job I analyze what the data they accumulate means. But I have go. no idea how to accumulate the actual data myself. Go. West Virginia's at home against Texas. Only a three-point favorite. Uh, I was surprised by this. I'll put six on West Virginia. Well, we've got two massive trends here. Um, the one is when the team with the better defense is getting points, take them. You also have the the Tom Herman underdog trend, which did not come through for the first time against TCU a couple of weeks back. That's his first loss against the spread um, in his coaching career. He's now 9-1 and one against the spread with five straight-up wins as an underdog. 
So because of both of those trends taking part here, I'm going to go ahead and take the Longhorns and put seven points on Texas to win the game straight up. TCU is on the road at Texas Tech. I'm going to take the Horned Frogs, only putting four points on it. Not really confident uh, much in these non-Big Ten games this week. I think TCU might be spent. I think they've been a they were a surprise team early in the year. I go back to the the, the the gauntlet they've run. This is their third road game in four weeks. Texas Tech still has a shot at bowl eligibility. And yet TCU still could make the Big 12 championship game. But the way that they never really showed up last week in Norman, I mean, everybody and their mother that I follow was on TCU with those points. And that game was over at pretty much the five-minute mark of the first half. So I, I wonder if if they might be sort of struggling to the finish line here. I'm going to sprinkle a little frosting on the money line. I know you ooh, like it when I do that. Ooh. Yeah. Um, and I'm taking Texas Tech, and I'm putting 11 on the Red Raiders. It's the it's the this year's college football season's new catchphrase uh, of popularity. Sprinkling frosting, people have responded in just. I know. I think somebody somebody tweets that to me at least once a week. Uh uh, That they like me. They like it when I sprinkle the frosting. Now, (laughs) that's let's make sure we are very targeted in the application of said statement. But uh, you know, as long as we're there, I'm good. Yeah, dude. You know what? Um, Every man, uh, really deep at his core, wants to leave a legacy, and apparently, you've stumbled upon yours. Miami uh, minus (laughs) seventeen at home. against Virginia. You know what? This is this has letdown written all over it, but I'm going to go against it. <laughs> and I'm going to put three on the Hurricanes. I've got 14 on Virginia oh, here. And this, this reminds me a lot of um, what happened when Miami got the huge win against Florida State um, and got off the schneid, you know, against the, Semin- the Seminoles who pretty much owned them. They come home the very next week. They're a 17-point favorite against Syracuse, and they don't cover. Uh, you know, noon game. It's not a night game. You know, Miami, according to ESPN's data analytics, Miami's that, that go back, they have, the ESPN's data analytics has the play-by-play for every college football game played since 2003, I believe. And in their data analytics, no team during that time has has forced four turnovers or more in four straight games like Miami has. The odds of that going five, I think, are small. Virginia has played well this season. And here's another little tidbit. Miami actually hasn't covered as a big as a favorite of more than a touchdown in their last in, in, in their last ACC games when that's been the case. See, this is why they weren't ranked very high in the early college football ratings, because they had a good record. But their strength of record was not that great until the last two weeks. So I think this is a total come down. I think they'll win probably by 10 or 14. But you could give me that extra field goal. I'm taking it, and I'm putting 14 on Virginia. How many, cons- how many consecutive ACC games has Miami not covered uh, the big number? The last three times in the okay. ACC, okay. they were a touchdown or more. They did not cover. Okay, yeah. okay. Iowa State finds themselves as a 10-point road favorite. Not very often has that happened uh, in recent Iowa State history. They are at Baylor this week. I don't know what is going on with their quarterback situation, and that's why I'm going to take Baylor in this game to cover the line, putting eight on Baylor to do so. This is my 15-point game this week, and I'm sadly sprinkling frosting on the money line. Hmm. 
I'm I, I'm going Baylor here. I think there's a realistic, if not good, shot they will win straight up. We don't know the quarterback situation. Iowa State may end up going with a redshirt freshman his first start on the road. And I liked several throws that he made in the game. I thought I counted them. I charted them. I counted three thro- throws I thought were NFL throws that he made during the course of the game. That being said, Baylor has played very well at home. Um, and they've done so, for example, taking Oklahoma down to an onside kick. This is their last chance to get a win. They come home. You have to wonder where Iowa State is. They've had this emotional gauntlet, John. I mean, for the, it's been every week for them for the last month. At some point, you're you're just drained, and if you don't have considerably better talent, that's when you get bit on the backside. I also could not find. I I went back several years, more than a decade. I could not find the last time Iowa State was a road favorite in a conference game of this high against somebody other than Kansas. Right. I couldn't find it in the last 10 years. So I had all those things up and, and I'm not even getting into Matt Campbell job speculation and how, whether that's an issue. Cause I, I think that's going to come up with a game or two we have later on. Um, I, I, I don't like this spot for the Cyclones at all. Baylor's my 15 point game. Good time for a sponsor break. Let's hear from the Iowa pork producers. I want to say thank you to the Iowa Pork Producers for coming on and being a sponsor of the Hawkeye Nation podcast. The Iowa pork industry, including production, processing, and packing, provided more than 141,000 jobs in 2015. That's about the total combined populations of Ames, Ankeny, and Coralville, with nearly 52% in production. And the pork industry contributed over $750 million in state and local taxes in 2015. Iowa, get this, Iowa produces a third of the hogs raised in the United States and is the nation's leader in pork production and more than 90% of Iowa's hog farms are family owned. So thank you to the Iowa pork farmer. Thank you to the Iowa pork consumer. Visit their website at iowapork.org. Dace and I are back. Oklahoma State is at home against Kansas State. You're giving Bill Snyder 21 points? Shoot, I know the Dace rule. Give me Kansas State, and I'm putting nine on it. Yeah, that's why I'm worried about it, by the way. (laughs) That number is huge. You know, but the last time that Kansas State was a big underdog, um, I – wasn't confident that the streak would the trend would continue right and i think i put six points on it and it did come through they played oklahoma very well so same spot here i'll put three on it um with or six on it with kansas state uh and i you know, i wonder what's going on with them though it, it just seems like we're, we're getting to the end you know and i'm not saying it's you know they're, they're still five and five it's not like hayden's last year at iowa where the thing just the bottom fell out and they went three and nine but you do get the sense that we are stumbling to the finish line and the story out today that the administration was willing to give Snyder another year if uh, he allowed Jim Levitt, his former defensive coordinator, uh, to come in from Oregon and essentially be a coach in waiting. And he said no because he wants his son, who's the special teams coach, to succeed him. But, like, literally, there isn't a Kansas State fan in America that wants that to happen. Because you know, just so people know, typically on a coaching staff, special teams coordinator is like right field in little league all right i can think you know frank gans for the chiefs who went on to be a head coach it's very rare a head coach you uh, you hire a special teams coach to be your head coach now sometimes the head coach is a hell of a special teams coach urban myers his own special teams coach um you know the 
uh, who am I thinking of that was at Virginia Tech for so many years, was, and they were great on special teams. But, but most of the time, special teams coach is the right field in Little League of coaching spots. So there's a, there's a big controversy going on about this with the K-State program. So I'm not that confident, but this is my trend. I write it, and it comes through almost 70% of the time, so I'm going to stick with it. All apologies to you right fielders out there. Notre Dame is at home against Navy. I just instantly defaulted to take Navy if you're going to give me 17 points, especially Notre Dame coming off of an embarrassing loss, and maybe that's what will help them overcome such a big number. But, man, that's Navy likes to take a lot of the air out of the ball, uh, and, and Notre Dame is a team that likes to run the ball too. I just don't know if there's enough possessions to cover the 17. I'll put five on Navy. Yeah, I'm going the other way. I'm putting 12 on the Irish here. I think they were humiliated last week. They're coming home, last home game of the year. It's a big revenge spot. Navy beat them last year. Not sure who the Navy quarterback is. The guy that they started the season with has been injured. Uh, guy they replaced him with didn't pan out. So they took their wing back and made him the quarterback, and now he's injured. So you throw all those things in. Uh, I, I, I think this is a rebound spot here for Notre Dame. I, I just think they're way too physical for Navy, and I'm going to lay the points. USC at home, 15-point favorite over UCLA. I, I just don't have much of a read on this, and frankly, I don't have much of a read on, on most Pac-12 teams because I just don't watch them. Two points is what I'll put on UCLA to cover. Yeah, I want you to know I, I did my best to try and find – it's a weak slate of games. Michigan-Wisconsin is the only game between ranked teams – in America this week at UCLA USC I mean UCLA just isn't holding up their end of the bargain this is the week that the SEC plays their uh, scrimmages with weak non-conference foes so I, I did my best selecting the games this week to try and come up with non-obscure two obscure games in the hopes that it would that it would even out for you so I I, I want you to know that I'm not trying to hang you out to dry it's oh, I didn't feel that way games so regarding this one I I think this is going to be a showcase for two guys that could very well be the number one and two picks in this year's draft or the guys pick number one in the next two drafts. Prime time, fast track, big rivalry game. I think it's going to be very high scoring. I do think, though, USC has the more balance with Ronald Jones in the running game. USC has struggled to stop, or UCLA hasn't stopped anybody's running game all year. So I'll take the Trojans because of their offensive balance and lay the 15. But I think you'll see Josh Rosen put on a show and play very well here next up is wisconsin at home against michigan they're 10 point favorites the weather doesn't look great i'm not sold on alex horny but really that he's the only thing on wisconsin that i'm not sold on i think that this is going to be a low scoring matchup and while that 10 points is a concern i think wisconsin will win i'm going to go ahead and put 13 on the badgers maybe i'm still dealing with post-traumatic stress disorder from last week and 13 points on wisconsin to cover the 10 against michigan well my official prediction for michigan podcast is 17 to 7 wisconsin so um i was going to put one point on this either way Uh, i'll put it on michigan well, sure. If, if if we if if pushes are wins for us, and they are, why not put your point on Michigan? That's a good point. And the and the reason I went with the point on Michigan is the line's been bet down to seven and a half. So I figure I'm getting value with another two and a half points. If you know what I mean. So oh, I'll sure. You're you're always but, looking but for I'm, value. I I don't have a I, I'm to me. I think I think Wisconsin is the team. Wisconsin is a better team. Michigan has better players. It's just. Too many young guys. I mean, Michigan's going to start a freshman quarterback, a sophomore running back, two freshmen and a sophomore on their offensive line, two freshmen run, two freshmen wide receivers, and two freshmen tight ends. Okay, so I mean, 
that's a, you're asking a lot in this situation. I just don't think Wisconsin's that explosive. I think Alex Hornibrook is the exact kind of quarterback Don Brown's defense locks down. A guy that has to make plays in the pocket, but has turnover and accuracy issues when he does so. Uh, but to me, I think there's one matchup in this game where a team has a clear advantage. And I think it's Wisconsin's defensive front against Michigan's in, much improved offensive line, but still very young. And it's not the front three. It's the, it's the package of the front seven out of the three, four and the different looks and angles and the communication issues and the loops and the stunts and who's coming and who's not. It's just something we don't Michigan hasn't seen a lot, although we run a variation of it. Um, with our own team, but it's not a pure 3-4 like Wisconsin does, meaning we, we have a three-man front, but it's not always four linebackers. It might be a nickel package. So I, I think that's probably going to mean Brandon Peters commits one more turnover than Alex Hornibrook does in a poor weather game. But since the line's been bet down to 7.5, I'll, I'll take an extra two points if you give it to me. Answer this question for me. Mm-hmm. How Wisconsin made the move to the 3-4 from the 4-3 in 2013 in Gary Anderson's first year. Since they've made the move, they've been ranked no worse than eighth nationally in total defense in any one of those seasons. And most of those seasons, they've been fifth or better in total defense. How can they do that? And given the success they've had with that, why doesn't a Michigan do something like that considering the linebacker talent that Michigan recruits at least from the recruiting rankings, is better than what Wisconsin recruits. Michigan can probably likely have more success recruiting a war daddy defensive tackle nose guard in that system. Why don't more teams do it, and how in the world has Wisconsin had success with it? It's tough to find. The reality is, and I say this every year when I do my mock NFL draft, if you're running a 3-4 defense and you don't have a great nose guard, you're not running a 3-4 defense. And so on one hand, defensive tackle is the position that separates the men from the boys. But can you name me the Wisconsin's last three defensive I, nose guards? I, I, I can't. Um, on the other hand, can you tell me how many Big Ten championships they won the last three years? So, I mean, they've done a really good job of beating up in a, an offensively challenged division. And their one real marquee non-conference win in that span is over an LSU fan whose offense was so inept that got a Hall of Fame coach fired in midseason. I'm not taking anything away from them. I'm just simply saying they're, they're not that, that good. I'm not. I'm not taking anything away from them. Well, they're just overrated. What I'm, saying, what I'm not. I'm not saying they're not that good. What I'm saying is, if you're Michigan and you can recruit Rashawn Gary, he is or or Mohurst, they're not as relevant in a three-four defense. They're just not. Um, Mohurst, a quick tackle, a, you know, uh, a, a true five technique. Not as not as he's not relevant because. Now you're asking him to occupy two gaps instead of splitting a gap. You know what I'm trying to say? Okay. Mm-hmm. If you can recruit Rashawn Gary, at your, if you're Michigan, Wisconsin can't recruit him. Six schools in America, maybe eight, can recruit Rashawn Gary. So if you can recruit him, you put him over there on your own, lock your, lock your corners down on an island on the other side, and then tell the other team, hey, see if you can beat me. And not too many teams against Michigan's defense – have been able to, with the exception of Saquon Barkley running Wildcats and wheel routes a few weeks ago. Now, Wisconsin, this was a great move for them because you can manufacture linebackers. Like, you can't really take a 200 and uh, – you can sometimes take a Mickey and make him a great defensive tackle. But most of the time, you kind of can't. It's much easier to take a guy that was, was 220 pounds in college or in high school and has athleticism 
and develop him over three to four years in your SNC program and make him Jack Sitchy. Make him TJ Ward. Make him TJ Watt. You know what I'm trying to say? It gives mm-hmm. you a more of a margin for error. Uh, so I think it makes great sense for them. I think, you know, um, if you, you know, they used to run a 3-4. That was Nick Saban's defense when he came in from the NFL. They run a 4-3 at Alabama now. Why? Because he can recruit Sean Robinson, Jerron Reed, you know, all those guys. He can recruit those guys now. So I, I think if you can recruit elite-level defensive line talent, and that, and you and I always talk about the fact that's the position that separates the men from the boys in college football, well, if that's the if that's the men from the boys' position, would you rather have four of those guys in the field than three? I'd rather have four, right? Right. Now, if I can't recruit that, then I'm going to modify what I do, and and especially if I'm a developmental program like Wisconsin, because I can make myself a linebacker. I can't really make myself Maurice Hurst. I can't make myself Rashawn Gary. I can't make myself Nick Bosa. I can't do that. All right. To answer, to answer your question. Yeah, it did. It did. The black and gold unites us all, but then what? Kevin the Flag Guy from Heartland Flags here. If you're listening to this podcast, you bleed black and gold. But what comes after the Hawks? For me, it's the Cincinnati Reds and Cincinnati Bengals. Nope, can't explain it. What about you? Packers and Wizards? Pelicans and Sharks? NASCAR and the Jags? Bulls, Bucks, and Chargers? Whatever flag you want, we've got it. Jump online to heartlandflags.com and shop our huge inventory of sports teams' flags. You won't find a better selection or better prices anywhere. Guaranteed. And to top it off, free shipping on all purchases at heartlandflags.com. Oh, and that Iowa flag you've been flying since the Hawks last went to the Orange Bowl? Time to step up and freshen up with a new design. Check out our Hawkeye selection when you're shopping for your other favorite team flags at heartlandflags.com, where you'll never pay for shipping. Penn State's at home against Nebraska. They are 24-point favorites. Um, That's a big number, but I have no confidence in Nebraska, so I'm only putting one on this game, and I'm taking Penn State. You know I am loath to lay big numbers in conference games. I'm laying it here. In fact, I'm putting 13 on it. I think season over for Nebraska. I think Penn State's way overdue for a breakout game to take some frustration out on some people. The score was okay. They barely covered against Rutgers, but that was far more competitive for for longer than people thought. I think, you know, the matchup of Nebraska's non-you-got-em-rush defense with Saquon Barkley having four straight subpar games I think he gets on track. I think this is a massive win for Penn State. I mean, I think it's something like 40 to 14, something like that. Ohio State, 38-and-a-half-point favorite against Illinois. And I'm putting 14 on Ohio State. I don't think Illinois scores. And I think Ohio State wins something like 41 to nothing. Yeah, I got a totally different read on this one, too. I've got eight on Illinois. I think that it's the same situation Ohio State had early in the year where you know they were coming off a big win and or a big loss or big game and then they played UNLV and didn't cover. This is a classic sandwich game. They've got Michigan on deck. They also have maybe the Big 10 championship game. I think you're going to see Urban get guys out um, and get some other guys in rather than risking it with two. He doesn't need spot he doesn't need style points right now. The style points he needs because if he beats Illinois 50 to 3 but JT Barrett gets hurt in the third quarter, and he ain't there for Michigan next week, and they lose. Ain't going to matter how many style points he got against Illinois. He knows this. I got to win the rest of my games by any means necessary, regardless of what the score is, to even get into consideration. I don't have the luxury of style points right now. So I think you'll see Illinois maybe score a touchdown and a half, 
and lose this game something like 45 to 14, 48 to 14, something like that. Michigan State's at home against Maryland. They are 17-point favorites and putting 11 on Maryland to cover that number. Yeah, I've got no read on this. I don't know, you know. I'll tell you, Maryland's walk-on quarterback we played last week, I did a little research on him because I'm like, dude, I was kind of impressed. Well, yeah, he's the fifth-string walk-on, but here's what I found out. He was a three-star recruit that originally signed with the Air Force Academy, decided military life wasn't for him, wanted to play with his brother, and that's why he's a walk-on, meaning he could have probably transferred to play like for a Frank, with his running ability, play for like a Frank Solich at Ohio University and be on scholarship. So I want to warn Sparty, any Sparty fans listening, that's a little misnomer. He's got some giddy-up. Um, he can throw the football a little bit. I'll take Maryland here with the 17 as well, but only put four points on it because I, I don't really know. I, I don't really think Sparty's that good. I don't ha- know how good Maryland is. Just, I don't know. Let's go next to Northwestern at home. Seven-point favorites against Minnesota. This is my 15-point game. I'm putting it on the Wildcats. Man, we got a lot of disagreements this yeah, week. Yeah, I, I, I went first. I'm going 10 with Minnesota. I think I think Northwestern's fate is sealed. I think Minnesota has some momentum coming off of last week. They're still playing for a bowl game. Um, I think I think this. I'm not. I don't know if I'm going to quite go to sprinkling some frosting on the money line, but I really like Minnesota to cover here, and I'm putting ten on the Gophers. Indiana at home uh, against Rutgers. Fifteen point favorites are the Hoosiers. I'm putting ten on the Scarlet Knights. Just just a very raw weather weekend in Big Ten country. Indiana likes yeah. to throw it, and that's why I'm doing it here. Yeah, I'm with you. I nearly played Indiana only because I think that spread is about five points too high, which you know is usually a hint. But the weather to me is going to be a factor in a lot of these games in the Midwest, and so same reason I got Rutgers. Not quite as confident as you, though. I'm only putting three on it because I think that spread is baiting me a little bit. And it is Rutgers' last game, Iowa at home against Purdue. I just don't freaking know. Don't know. How do you know from one week against Ohio State when they have maybe the best offensive execution I've ever seen an Iowa team have, at least since the 1980s, considering the quality of opponent and the out-of-nowhere aspect of what they did to Ohio State. And one week later, they gained 66 more yards than I did from my couch in the most futile offensive effort since the 1970s, I think, for Iowa. And one of the most futile Big Ten games from an offensive standpoint in league history or certainly modern history. So I don't know. Um, I think that it's going to be an ugly game, a low-scoring game. I think Iowa wins it, something like 27-24. But I'm taking Purdue to cover the point spread, putting 12 on the Boilermakers to do that at 8.5. I can't even imagine what it's like being an Iowa fan where you go from that offensive execution against Ohio State to being in favor of your offensive execution against Wisconsin, all right? I mean, I just, that's, you go from 50 burgering Ohio State to 60 yards, yards, yards against Wisconsin, man. That, that's just nuts. That is the old Lou Holtz axiom, the beauty or nightmare of college football is you're coaching a different team every week, man. That's what that is. So here's what I think happens this week. I think Northwestern did you a real solid last week. Because they, they basically took they, – well, they did. They, they, they basically took Purdue out of bowl contention. And 
Purdue has the old oak and bucket. Is that their game next week again? Is that the one? Yes, Indiana, yeah. Is that the yeah, brass okay. the brass platoon or, or something? The brass like that. platoon. It's one of those. Okay. So they've got their big make your season established Jeff Brome, you know, in state rivalry game next week. Bowl game out the window after last week. Um you've got to think with the pride in the Iowa program. I cannot think of a time. You would know this better than me. You know, there there is always there's always except for the O2 team that arguably, you know, um could have played for a national championship. They there there's always the Iowa stinker game under Ferentz. Now, second half against Iowa State that year was a stinker, but they never really had the stinker game. Like you the, did they practice this week? What did they do all week? They just seem to have that game at Iowa every year. And every time they have that game, they seem to play bananas the next week, right? So they had that game last week. I think Purdue, from a postseason standpoint, they're looking to next week in Indiana and that rivalry game. And so for that, I'm going to lay the wood here with the Hawkeyes and put nine points on Iowa. I think the situation favors them. I think they're the better team, um, and they're at home. So I'm 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 pretty confident in the Hawkeyes here. All right, I'm glad that somebody is. So that will do it for this week's picks. I'll be back on Saturday following Iowa's game for the Instant Reaction podcast. Then on Sunday we'll do it all again. Thank you to Exile Brewing Company, Heartland Flagpoles and Flags, and the Iowa Pork Producers for your sponsorship. And thank you, as always, for listening.